to not be overcome by the things of this world. Um, I have a message today that's kind of uh, similar to what I preached two weeks ago in the sense that I preached the first half two weeks ago and I preached the second half today. And I'll, I'll touch on just a, a, a little segment of, of the former so that it all kind of flows together. Praise God. It's good to have you here. It's just so good to have you here. I, uh, I keep hearing rustling in the mulberry bushes that government's wanting to slow us down and slow down the groups together and stuff. And now that people's notoriety is fighting COVID, it's, it's in the news more and it's all exciting. And folks, God's still going to have a church. Amen? Don't matter what the government tries to do. Uh, the government is part of the world, and people uh, looked to the government to be their savior instead of God. People looked to other events, uh, educations being their savior uh, as their God. Uh, and that, that none of that, none of the world stuff is going to get you saved. And uh, it's, it's important that we recognize that uh, the world is not for us. We are for the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and we need to keep Him uh, flowing in our lives. Praise God. Amen. All right. We're ready to go live, I believe. And uh, thank you, worship team, for doing such a great job. Welcome. It's good to have you here today. Trust that things are going well in your home. Some of our folks are, are quarantined to the house because of uh, COVID. They don't want to get out, and some are uh, fighting COVID and cannot get out. They must stay home. And so today is your line to church, and we've had a great worship time this morning and message in tongues, and we're so grateful to God for showing up as people have come into the house to worship God today. And I trust you at home will receive something very special as well. Well, as usual, I try to find something of a, just a tad bit of humor to get our minds off of everything else that's going on in the world and, and try to bring up something of humor. Grandma was visiting from out of town, and, and it was time for little Johnny to go to bed. And so Mother said, well, tell Grandma good night, and let's go to your room, and we'll give you your prayers, and then, and then you go to bed. And so he says good night to Grandma, and goes to his room and mom sits down with him and he's praying and he's asking God to bless grandma and grandpa and, and bless mom and dad and, and, and just going through all the list of all the things that he prays for every night. And then he remembered, he said, Lord, with a real loud voice, he said, now, now God, don't forget my birthday is next week and I want a two-wheel bicycle. And... His mother stopped him and said, Son, God's not deaf. He can hear every word you say. He knows your thoughts. He's not deaf. He said, No, it's not God I'm concerned about. He said, Grandma's deaf and she needs to hear the prayer. <laughs> so uh, hopefully uh, that, that res resembles some of us. Sometimes we pray prayers with a little more exuberance when we want answers the way we desire to have them. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5, 
And some of you are saying, Pastor, we was in James chapter 5 two weeks ago. Yes, we were. And we continue uh, today uh, as well. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosions will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. This is a little snippet of some parts of America where people are consumed with a tremendous amount of wealth and could care less about anyone else, hoarding it to themselves. And the good part about America around the world is that we're known as do-gooders. And so not all people are stingy, but people do give and and are, are very good at giving and blessing others. And it's important that we have our priorities right and we don't allow ourselves to be self-consuming to where it's all about self, it's collecting and hoarding stuff just for us, but that we are blessed so we can be a blessing. Verse 7, it says, be patient. Say it with me, be patient. Be patient. It's so important that we be patient. Be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land and to yield its valuable crops and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. It's amazing how that 2,000 years ago that was talking about the Lord's coming is near. And so if it was near then, how much nearer is it today? Don't grow against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, and you know and consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard that Job's perseverance have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Job said, yet he slay me, yet I will serve him. Verse 12 says, above all brothers, do not swear nor by heaven or by earth or anything else, let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Verse 13, it says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
this is where I really want to go today in the sense of the power of prayer in how prayer changes everything. And how that, that we uh, don't want to pray or we don't pray or prayer is always not uh, exciting when someone says we're going to have a prayer meeting. The average Christian hits the door after five minutes of prayer. And we've got to recognize the fact that God wants to disciple us into being prayer warriors. Say it with me. Prayer warriors. Because what we're not comprehending is that there is a satanic force in the sky that you can't see that wants to destroy your very soul. And we must become prayer warriors. We must become those people who seek the face of God and do not allow anything else to distract us. There's many kinds of prayers that take place in this. Prayers for the sick, prayers for forgiveness, prayers for the nations, even prayers about the weather. We look at this chapter and we begin to comprehend that we, this is the, the New Testament covenant of healing is this section where it says to call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil. This parallels with the Old Testament covenant of God's healing. God promised that, that he wouldn't bring the things on the Israelites that he brought on the Egyptians. He said, I am the Lord that heals you. That was in Exodus. Now we see in James where it says to, to pray for the sick and, and may the sick person say, I need prayer. Do you understand that? When you're sick, you need to admit that you're sick. Good preaching. And say, I want to be anointed with prayer. I want to be anointed with oil and have people pray over me. There is, there is nothing that prayer cannot do. So, so why do we hesitantly fight prayer? Why do we not get excited about being in a prayer meeting? Number one, Satan. Satan got beat up at the cross. When Jesus came out of that grave, he won over Satan. And when you turn the TV on and come to church, you've just told Satan he don't have control of you. When you come to prayer meeting, you're telling Satan, you don't have my time, I'm giving my time to God. So, so number one is Satan fights prayer because he knows that the most powerful force on the face of the earth is prayer and for the Spirit of God to move and people praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, it is the perfect will of God. And so Satan cannot interpret your prayers in the, heaven, in the heavenlies. He, he is out of control. It frustrates him. And so when people begin to pray and they pray in tongues, that is a language that directly talks to God and Satan can't interrupt that. So Satan really hates it when the body of Christ begins to pray. Your carnal flesh hates it when you begin to pray. And so you've got to understand that there's two against one in the sense of prayer meeting. The devil don't want you here, your carnal flesh don't want you here, 
But God wants you here, and God can empower you to say no to the flesh and yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to, if you're taking notes, the, it's going to be hard to keep up with me because I'm going to just nail a bunch of scriptures here right in a row. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Who do we wrestle with? It's not people. Our battle, our argument, is not against our brother or our sister the Lord. The devil will do whatever it takes to get us to be at odds with one another, and we'll look at them and we'll say, well, what you're doing. I don't like what you're saying. It is the fact that the devil wants to take you down the road of accusations. He wants to give you uh, imaginations uh, that, that draws you away from a personal relationship. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. It's not a, our, our, our battle is not with people. It is against the principalities of the air that you cannot see against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We are in warfare against an enemy that you cannot see, which makes it difficult. The power of sight. You are here today. You have the power of sight. You have the ability to see not only the physical realm, but you have the power of sight to see the spiritual realm. And that's why you're in church, because you're seeing the spiritual realm. So many of us are very upset at political folks right now. We say, how could you be so stupid to believe the things you're thinking of? The radical left. Those who are involved in wanting to take our nation into socialism. Socialism has never worked in any group of society in any place on the face of the earth, and we're still trying to manipulate America into socialism. And we say, how could they be so crazy? They don't have the sight. Their eyes have been blinded to the truth. Are you going to walk up to a person who has been born blind and walk up to them and say, how do you like my outfit? And they say, well, I can't see your outfit. I don't think it, I don't know, I don't know what your outfit's like. And you're saying, but I'm offended that you don't like my outfit. The body of Christ needs to realize that when people are blinded, they're blinded. And our responsibility to their blindedness is God open their eyes. Holy Spirit, move on them. Holy Spirit, help them. For if we live according to the flesh, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. So what's happening is, is those who are failing to reveal God, allow God to be revealed in their life, they're blinded to the truth, they, they are, they're headed for death, eternal death. But if we live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. The carnal flesh is put to death. And we have life in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, wherewith you cry, Abba, Father. We have a Father, a Heavenly Father, a compassionate Father, a Father who loves us dearly. He loves us dearly. For many are led by the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit wants to lead us. God wants to provide for us. 1 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which wars against the soul. How do we pray prayers fervently for people to be healed? We must realize that we are sojourners. We must realize that we are not living in a permanent society. Our permanent address isn't America, isn't Kansas City, Missouri, isn't Raytown, isn't Independence, isn't Class County. It, our, our residence is in heaven. We are just passing through. Our residency is in heaven. And we are passing through. And we must recognize that, that we are sojourners and pilgrims abstaining from the fleshly lust which wars against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when you, they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which by observed glory to God, will bring glory to God in the day of visitation. They, they'll, they will rise up against us. They will rise up against us. But we will not fight flesh with flesh. We will allow the presence of God to work in our lives that people will see our good works and know that it brings glory to God. Romans chapter 13 and verse 13, it says, Let us walk properly in the day, not in rivaling, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The flesh wants to do things that are disgusting in God's sight, but are admirable in Hollywood. Did you hear what I said? Hollywood is all about the carnal flesh. I didn't know this sermon was going to be so exciting. The first part of that Romans chapter 13 says, And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And that we're literally to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? It means to put on the attitude and the desires of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was God's attitude towards sin? He hated it. He hated it with a passion because he knew that sin was keeping people from a personal relationship with him. And he hates sin. And we must take on the attitude of hating the very appearance of sin. To where we do not do things. Just say, well, I'm not involved in that. Well, then get far enough away so nobody can mistake you to be a part of that. Oh my, did I say that? I said it, didn't I? Put 
put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. Why is it so important we make no provision for the flesh? Galatians 5.17 For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is on one side. Our flesh is on the other side. And there is a combat going on. There is a war going on. Some of you right now are counting uh, lines in the walls rather than concentrating on God because you have allowed your mind to float away. You've got to come back to the understanding that the flesh wants to destroy you. The flesh wants to distract you. The flesh wants to keep you away from the Spirit. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. The Spirit against the flesh. There is warfare going on. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Well, I wanted to have devotion this morning, but I just didn't get it done. Why? Because your flesh didn't want to submit to reading the Word. But if you're led by the Spirit, you will not be under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. On goes the list. Hatred, discord, dissension, strife. All of these things are, are parts of the flesh that will take us down. And the Word of God tells us to keep us from evil. As this COVID thing has taken a toll on people in the pew, it has also taken a toll on people in the pulpit. And it is, it's a sad thing to know that when a minister falls and he gets involved, how does he get involved? The flesh overpowers the presence of God in his life. He has not plugged into the presence of God strong enough to keep the flesh at bay. You've got to constantly be working at keeping. You say, man, I can't wait. Some of you teenagers say, man, I can't wait till I get 50. When I get 50, man, I'll have this thing whipped and I won't have to fight so hard. No, as long as you're breathing air, you're going to fight Satan. You're going to fight the carnal flesh and you're going to win as long as you keep God Almighty in your spirit and in your life. God Almighty. God Almighty. Say it with me. God Almighty. Satan is not Almighty. Your flesh is not Almighty. But God is Almighty. And when you tap into the Almighty, you have everything it takes to live a godly life. You'll say, well, you know, what if, what if I really turn from the flesh? What if I totally turn from the flesh? What's the Spirit got for me? Everything. Everything that you was created for, God says, I want to bless you with. God wants to bless you with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The flesh needs to be brought under control of the Holy Spirit. And God said, I will give you self-control as you surrender your life to me. As you read the Word, as you pray, as you seek the power of the Holy Spirit, I will give you the ability to have self-control. Are we living in a day where we need self-control? The news is full of people that are out of control. 
because they choose to be. God said you can have love without limits. You can have joy without limits. You can have peace without limits. You can have long-suffering without limits. You can have kindness without limits. You can have goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control without limits. That's what God promises us if we'll simply say, God, forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. Now, Lord, help me every day to walk in a spirit of repentance and a spirit of forgiveness. When somebody offends you, don't carry it. Forgive them. Forgive them right where they're at. Because when you start carrying offense, it will eat your lunch and cause you to fall out with God. James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one of you is tempted when he is driven away by his own desires and enticed. So temptation comes. And when that comes... It draws away your own desires and you're enticed. And when the desires have conceived, when you hit these thoughts in your minds and you have the desires and those things begin to take shape and begin to move into action, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings death. How did it happen? In the mind. You begin to think about the negative. You begin to think about the things of the world. You begin to think about what tantalizes the flesh the good feelings that Satan and and the carnal flesh will push into your mind, and you think on those thoughts, and you begin to start doing things that you would never, ever do, but your mind overpowers your spirit, and you are doing sin, and you're saying, how in the world did I ever get here? And it's simply because you have failed to spend time in God's presence. So then, my dear brothers, let every man be swift to hear. Hear the Word of God. Prove it. It's there to be truthful. It's there to send you to truth. So hear the Word of God. But slow to speak. Slow to criticize. Slow to talk about other people. And slow to wrath. Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. No matter how angry you get, it does not produce the righteousness of God. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and pride of life. What is in the world? What is in the world? It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world will pass away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Abides forever. You will abide forever. You will live with Jesus and God the Father. You will rule and reign forever as the body of Christ, simply because you said no to sin, no to the flesh, and yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Pastor, what do you do with those who have known the truth and allow their carnal flesh to take control and they lose out and they go back to sin? You pray for them and you personally go to them. You do everything in your power to personally touch their lives. You do everything in your power to minister strength to them and you have a personal concern 
for those who have lost out with God. A personal concern for those who have lost out with God. It's so vital that we recognize that God has a plan and a purpose and that is for us to come against the demonic forces of the devil, to come against our own carnal flesh and serve Jesus with all of our heart, body, soul, and mind. To know that the things of this world are out there to, and they're glitzy to get our attention, but we cannot allow the world to take control of our thought process and our mouth and our acti- actions. It all starts with the thought process and then what we speak and what we speak to ourselves in the mirror, when we have that what's called self-talk, we must self-talk up Jesus and not the carnal flesh. And know that God is greater. Know that there's a battle going on. And God said, I will keep you from evil if you will simply seek my face. We must seek his face. Stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. And Lord, as we stand in Your presence, we realize that we have a battle on our hands. But the battle is the Lord's. You're fighting the battle for us. All we have to do is get in line. What we have to do is just get in Your line. Just say, God, forgive us of our sins. God, help us to not yield to the carnal flesh. Help us not to become angry when people do things around us but help us to seek the face of God that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and self-control will be part of our life. Lord Jesus, Your Word instructs us to pray to keep us from evil. So Lord, if we're going to pray and see people saved, we're going to pray and see people healed, it's because we've lived a righteous life. It's because we have said no to Satan No to our carnal flesh, and yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives.